pray for your health and safety and your continued health. So if I do not shake your hand, it is not because I don't love you. It is because I do love you that I am not shaking your hand because you all don't want this, <laughs> all right? So anyway, now we're talking about spiritual practices. In a classic literature, it's called spiritual disciplines, but Pastor James and I, we don't like that word, so we think practices works a little bit better. And <clears throat> ultimately, um, uh, we know that there is an inner transformation that needs to take place in all of us. I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, you know what, you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. Anybody who doesn't believe in original sin does not have children, I think. And so, and that's, you know, I mean, that's part of their growth and development, I get that. But the point is, is that we actually uh, have to have some kind of inner transformation. And for, for those of us who follow Jesus, it really is about the inner transformation that gives us the abundant life that Jesus talked about, okay? Jesus said, I've come to give them life, and I've come to give it abundantly. But the issue here is that abundant life is what happens to us when we grow to be like Jesus, because Jesus had abundant life. He had it so abundantly, he was able to give it away. How cool is that? How cool would it be if you had that kind of abundant life, you had so much of it that you could just give it away? I think growing to be like Jesus is the ultimate Christian endeavor. Some people say it's going to heaven. I think that is the result. I don't think it's the goal. I think the goal is to be like Jesus. And that just sounds like a whole lot more authority in that with a deeper voice. I'm going to remember this. <laughs> right? This is cool. All right. So... Um, Abundant life, growing to be like Jesus. The issue, of course, is that when you're growing, you can't be passive about it. You can't just sit back and wait for it to happen. There are certain religions where um, the adherents just sit around waiting for a light enlightenment. And I understand um, you know, why they believe that, but the problem is, is that for those of us who follow Jesus and, and are on a different path, we know that we have to have some type of role in it. But there's a, there's a, there's a conundrum here. And on the other side is, is that you can't earn abundant life. You can't earn inner transformation because it is a grace that God gives us. So what are we to do? We're kind of stuck, aren't we? No, not at all. The point is, is that we need to put ourselves in a place where we're close to God. That's the active part, putting ourselves close to God. Doing the things that he asks us to do is what helps us to grow. So there's an active part, there's a passive part, there's both and, not either or. Are you with me? Okay, so that's what we've been, been talking about. These spiritual practices are our way of stepping a little bit closer to God on a regular basis or using some type of practice in us so that we are in a position to interact with God, and we can have a posture of being able to receive things from God. So ultimately speaking, that is what abundant life is, as we understand it, and what spiritual practices do to help us. And so in week one, we talked about this idea of focus, and the fact that when you're starting the year out, what would happen if we spent some time checking in with God, seeing what types of things he may want to actually do in our lives? What is it that he wants to work on? If he has my best interest at heart, and I believe that he does, and he wants to impart grace and mercy and love and growth, 
then God, what, do you, what is it that you, you're after? What can I do to put myself in that proximity? And then the following week, week number two, we talked about prayer. And for whatever reason, God chooses to work through human prayer, through that part of human effort. But the, the point is, you actually got to pray. Right? Last week, we talked about the spiritual practice of community. Because for whatever reason, we grow in relationship with others. In, in my consultation last, um, yesterday afternoon, uh, they were asking some questions, some tough questions. Uh, their pastor has retired. They're getting ready to search for a new pastor, and they're trying to do some kind of self-discovery. And, and we, were, we were talking about you know, these kinds of, of things, about community and relationship, and I said, look, guys, if church isn't messy, you're doing it wrong. Because we're human beings. And our, and our lives get messy, our relationships get messy. It can, be, it can be a marriage relationship, it can be a family relationship, maybe a work relationship, it doesn't matter. Because we're human beings and we're all fallible and we're all a little bit screwed up, can we just be honest about that? And start from there. And I need you and you need me and we need to grow together. That's a practice. You've got to put yourself out there a little bit. It's scary. But if it's not messy, you're doing it wrong. And so community becomes very important and everybody moving in the same direction. And so this week I want to pick up another spiritual practice. I want to talk about giving. And here's the interesting thing. When preachers start talking about giving, something always happens. Everybody starts shifting uncomfortably in their seat. And for whatever reason, their hands go to wherever their billfold is. <laughs> I don't know if they're just checking to make sure it's still there or what the story is. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But um, I want to talk, talk about giving today because there's some, some fascinating things that I think we need to we need to, to deal with, because I, I do believe it is a spiritual practice that we have, and I'm going to try to make this plain. So to understand biblical giving, it has two parts. Give me the next slide, will you? Yeah, giving has two parts to it, at least as we understand it in the scripture. Now, I am simplifying in order to make a point, okay? This is not necessarily, and there's more to it than this, but this will just help us. This gives us some categories to talk about. So the, so the first uh, type of giving that we find in the Bible, is uh, tithes. Tithe is a word that means a tenth, one-tenth of. In ancient Israel, was required to give one-tenth of everything that they produced. And we find the passage, the command that God gives Israel in the book of Leviticus. Here it is. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll try not to cough up a lung in front of you. Now, this is interesting because you have to remember that in the Old Testament, the primary source of wealth was food. So if you're going to produce grain, if you're going to produce flocks and herds of different types of livestock, that would determine your actual wealth. If you were wealthy, you had plenty of food to eat. Okay, So God says, a tenth of that belongs to me. Now secondly, besides the tithe, is also what we call offerings. This is something that is commanded over and above the tithe. Now, um, a couple little things about this idea of offerings. First of all, um, 
we find it in uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy specifically. But, you know, you would give your tithe to the temple or um, uh, to the priests, and, and yet you could still do offerings because they were there for a specific purpose. There were different offerings, typically a sacrifice given for a very specific purpose over and above the tithe. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I think that's a, a helpful understanding for this. And um, uh, the question is, why would God want these types of things? Well, here it is. When you tithe and offer, it honors God. It acknowledges him as the source of all of these things. Does that make sense? It, it's not because God needs it. God created it. He needed more. He just, boom. Or in my favorite language, shazam. There it is. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. It is for our benefit to honor God and, and to acknowledge him as the ultimate source. There's one passage in Deuteronomy, I um, just thought of it as I was driving in, that says, uh, where God says to Israel, I have given you the ability to create wealth. That's a God thing. And, and he expected Israel to actually go and do that. And he expects that of you and expects that of me. If you have you know, a certain amount of creativity, if you have a certain amount of energy, if you have a certain uh, uh, amount of ambition, you should go and create wealth. God has given that to you. And the reason why we do tithes and offerings is just to simply honor God and ultimately to acknowledge him as the source. I don't think it's a whole lot more complicated than that. But there's a stunning little fact that I want you to think about today. And I might make somebody mad, but that's okay. Um, maybe not. But here it is. Here's the stunning fact. There is no New Testament passage that commands Christians to tithe. Don't tell my board of directors that, okay? And, oh boy, what's he preaching? But no, there is no New Testament passage that commands Christians to tithe. In fact, we find New Testament writers talk about giving quite a bit. And in fact, if they were going to make a command, there are several places where it would be perfectly natural for them to say, oh yes, and by the way, you should be tithing. But they don't. It's not there. Now, I think Jesus presumed a tithe when he was talking to, to people. But remember, he was a Jew living in ancient Israel. They were still under that type of covenant relationship with God, and so it was natural for them to tithe. But he never commanded his followers to tithe. It's fascinating. There's no command in the New Testament for us to tithe. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. However, there are places where it says that we are supposed to support those who preach. Um, and, and we have to be really careful because our concept of pastor and preacher uh, has come over a long period of evolution. In this case, they're probably talking about basically missionaries, people who are going out to preach the word to new people. Um, I will, I mean, I still think that it, it's valid for anybody who's actually preaching the word, but the point is, is that's the context. And the other thing that we find is to be generous. Over and over and over again, we should be generous. I, I, you've, some of you have heard me talk about this before, but I used to work um, on a lawn mowing crew in, in central Kentucky, and one of the guys on our crew on the weekends worked at Carabas in Lexington. And uh, the one shift that all the, the waiters and waitresses hated 
with Sunday after church. Folks, we need to turn that one around. You know, we love because he first loved us. We ought to be the most generous people in the room. Period. And, that, and it's not just to get good service because we're commanded to be generous. Right? So, support those who preach and be generous. But there's no command to actually tithe a tenth. Okay. However, there's this fascinating Old Testament prophecy and I want to point out to you, some of you are probably familiar with this. In Malachi 3, Malachi, he's the first uh, Italian prophet. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, in Malachi 3, um, God is, is more or less indicting Israel. He's not happy with their faithlessness. And here's one of the things that he says. God, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And Israel, but wait, 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 what are you talking about? How are we robbing you? You can just kind of see this, right? I imagine my seven-year-old lobbying from something. God, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, here's the thing. Remember, at Mount Sinai, he said, I will be your God, you will be my people. Tithes and offerings are part of the deal. This is a deal you made. I am simply holding you to the deal that your ancestors made with me. You are robbing me, and you are under a curse as a whole, as a whole nation. Tithes, offerings are part of that Sinai deal. It's interesting how that kind of comes up at this point. And notice this too. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He's talking about his temple. Test me on this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Notice the phrase, test me in this. If I recall... Um, this is about the only time God ever says to test him. Generally speaking, don't test God. Probably not a good idea. That one you're going to lose pretty quick, right? But in this, he says, test me in this. And I find this very, very interesting. Test me in this. Now, I want to point something out here because there are certain theologies that um, are pretty prevalent in this town that kind of take this idea to the extreme. This idea that if I give back to God, God will just continue to pour things into me so that I can give more. But ultimately speaking, it is self-serving. I get more. That's not what's being said here. When he says, test me in this, it's not that I'm going to give you more wealth. He says, yes, I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing. Blessing may or may not be money. Sometimes your best blessing is a friend. Somebody who you can talk to about stuff. Uh, sometimes uh, the blessing is, well, look, uh, the pests from, uh, prevent pests from devouring your crops. You know, things don't wear out quite as fast. Um, years ago, um, my wife and I made a commitment that we were going to tithe, um, largely based on this passage, and uh, we did that for a number of years, and then we went to seminary. Well, when you're in seminary, there's not a whole lot of money to tithe. I'm just going to tell you that up front. And yet, both of us would tell you that while we were that four years in seminary, um, 
we did not have any discernible change in lifestyle. Now, we, don't, we didn't live ostentatiously anyway. But the point is, is that we believe that God honored the tithe and just took care of us. We didn't have major repairs. We didn't have things that were, you know, terribly problematic and, and whatnot. Now, I, I'll attribute that to the fact that we, we tithed, we honored God, God, you know, helped us out. I can't prove that. Can't prove that. But that's what I believe based on what I'm hearing in this passage. And it wasn't like we got a ton of money. In fact, kind of walked out of seminary with a whole lot of debt, going to be honest. But there wasn't additional funds that I had to pay out because I think God just took care of our cars and he took care of our, our uh, water heater and our furnace and all those kinds of things, right? So this idea of test me on this isn't about getting more money or getting more wealth, but it is about the blessings of God. And God knows you better than you know yourself and he knows how you need to be blessed. Test him on that. Double dog dare you. Okay? So think about this idea. Test me on this. I thought that was really, really interesting. So um, let me offer a couple of brief thoughts just on, on giving, just some ideas. Um, do we have the, the little um, handouts, by the way? Do we have handouts? If you need a handout, raise your hand. Somebody will get one to you. And a couple things for you to write down. You know, this is um, something that, you know, I'm trying to help you build some skills here in your practicing. And so if you can write them down, sometimes it's helpful. So here's the first one. <coughs> mm. Excuse me. The first one is, on tithing, give with a kingdom mindset. Give with a kingdom mindset. If you're going to tithe to the church, give with a kingdom type of mindset. Um, it's not just about this church, but if you believe that Thrive is advancing the, th the kingdom of God in some way, then please partner with us financially to be able to do that and to do that better. Uh, if, if this isn't your home church and you're just visiting, then, then tithe or give in some way, shape, or form to your church as long as there's a kingdom mindset to it. Because, um, you know, we often have people where this may not be the right venue for them. You know, church plan isn't for everybody. And our, our point is, we want you to follow Jesus. We prefer you follow Jesus with us, you know, and thrive. But, but if that's not you, if that doesn't fit you, then we want you to go where you can follow Jesus because that is about the kingdom of God, not about just building Thrive Church. Okay? So give your, you know, if you're tithing, give with a kingdom mindset. All right, so here's the other one. Give something. Give something. It doesn't have to be 10%. Now, 10% is typically the one that we, we pick on because it's the one that we find in the Bible and it's pretty easy to understand. But the point, it's not about the amount. It's about the fact that you're trusting God with something. Does that make sense? So give something. And then secondly, along with that, give regularly. Give regularly to a, some type of a kingdom-oriented um, organization. Give something, but give it regularly. This, folks, is an act of worship. It's not just a spiritual practice. It's an act of worship. What you're saying is, God, you are worth my money. I am ascribing worth to you. You're doing something 
in this place that I believe in, and I want to be a part of that. I'm going to honor you and acknowledge you as a source of all things. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we overcomplicate um, this idea of tithing. But give something. Give it regularly. And then here's the last thing. Take a risk. Take a risk. God says, test me on this. I think it would be really interesting if we, you know, took a risk on that. By the way, um, I'll just make you a deal, too. If, if you choose to um, do some regular you know, tithing, uh, we've got a variety of different ways to do it. Uh, I mentioned it pretty much at the end of every service. But if you uh, set up kind of regular giving, you know, digitally through, um, through our, uh, our app or um, through the website, Look, if you run into financial trouble and you need your money back, come talk to me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm about you. And if you really need it, I'll make you that deal. I, I'll give you your money back if that's, if that's really going to put you into a hardship. Uh, but I think that you ought to try to test God first. Does that make sense? Yeah. So take a risk. So why do we tithe? Tithing honors God. And you know what else it does? It breaks us of selfishness. It's not all mine. It's not all mine. We treat the church as the storehouse. And then the storehouse expends the money for kingdom purposes. Okay, offering. Just some thoughts on offering. This is above tithes. Um, here's the first one. Give toward your passion. There are certain things that light you up. You probably ought to pay attention to that, and you probably ought to give towards it. Please understand, in our context, it may not be money. It may be your time or your attention or your energy or your physical labor. Okay, Plenty of organizations out there that might be doing things that you like, that you're passionate about, that you need to pay attention to and get involved. That's an offering. Okay? All right. So, um, give towards your passion. Pa uh, passion. Also, give where you see God working. Here's a, here's a tip. If you see God working in any area of, of your life or someone else's life, that is often an invitation to join him. Let that one sink in. If you are struck by something where you're like, that's God. That's an invitation to join him. I've had that happen to me several times where I'm like, wait a minute, that, that, that sounds like a kingdom to me. I want to be a part of that. And don't be surprised um, if you find those places or you find the, uh, God working in some odd places. Because remember, uh, there's a passage, um, the kingdom of God is like a weed shows up in odd places. Have you ever seen one of those parking lots? Maybe it's Walmart and whatnot. And there's nothing but asphalt. And it is the middle of an Oklahoma summer. And it's hot. And it's nasty. And there's a weed sticking up. And you're wondering, how on earth can that weed actually survive in that place in the middle of the parking lot all by itself? That's what the kingdom of God is like. Isn't that cool? So the point is, the point is here, is that don't be surprised if you see God working in some odd places but it's an invitation to join him. And here's the last one. Give cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. Give cheerfully. Hey, I get to, I get to be a part of this thing that God is doing. 
So why do we why do we give offerings? Offerings advance the kingdom beyond the local church. You know what? If the only thing that we're interested in is Thrive Church, we're not kingdom mindset. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I, I love this place an awful lot, but it's about the kingdom. And we want to extend the kingdom of God and, and we want to push the darkness back and we want to be a part of that in as many ways as we possibly can. This is not the only way to do it. And so we give offerings to extend the kingdom beyond the local church. That's what we call the long game. We're, up, we're, up, we're trying to look at kingdom purposes. And remember, when you're, you know, when, you're, when you're offering, it could be money, but it might be time, attention, energy, labor, any one of those. So why do you suppose there's no command in the New Testament for, for tithing? And this troubled me for a little while. I was thinking about this. I'm like, why, why would that be the case? And then it dawned on me. Giving is a matter of the heart. I mean, you really think about that. Giving, whatever you give, it's about your heart. It's about recognizing where you are in relationship to God. That's a heart issue. Because the thing of it is, if, God, if Jesus came along and said that, you know, you need to tithe, or if Paul wrote, you need to tithe, you know what? That's just the law all over again. And Jesus isn't interested in that. Jesus is interested in what's going on inside. That sounds like inner transformation, doesn't it? So I think, I think that there's no command because giving is a matter of the heart. So here's my challenge to you this, this week. I'm going to try to do this every week. Um, but the challenge is for you to revisit your tithes and offerings. And, and here's, the th- here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm not going to guilt you. I am not going to bludgeon you with the Bible. It is between you and God. It's a matter of your heart. And you know what? I am not qualified to judge your heart. Did you hear me? I am not qualified for that job, and frankly, I don't want it. But that's between you and God. But I would challenge you that if the Holy Spirit is checking you on something like this, maybe you ought to pray about it. Just a thought.